All right, time for a brand new episode of Industry 45 Podcast Show. Shane Christopher Neal, Giant TV Niagara, GiantFM.com, Country89.com, ShaneChristopherNeal.com. It's all right there, as well as on all your favorite streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Buzzsprout, you name it, is there. You know what? Today, today we are going to unseal those lips and have a conversation with Kathy Valentine, longtime bass player for the band, the Go-Go's. You know, you've heard of them. And uh, Kathy has a brand new book out, All I Ever Wanted by Kathy Valentine, a rock and roll memoir. Of course, the Go-Go's came out in the early 80s, 1981. They had an album come out. This is crazy for five women at the time. 1981, Beauty and the Beat went all the way to number one. Remained there for six consecutive weeks. Unbelievable. Go-Go's had a great career. Of course, Belinda Carlisle was the lead singer of the Go-Go's. She went on to have a great career as well. We'll speak to uh, Kathy about that, about her brand new book. The Go-Go's have a documentary out in 2020. We're going to chat about that as well. And a new song called Club Zero, you know? Zero fucks given, basically. And, of course, I had to touch on two other things. The role of MTV, which was huge in the early 80s and throughout the 80s. And, of course, <laughs> the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Go-Go's are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet. Yet. I'll talk to Kathy on what that means and what it would mean to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the Go-Go's and for her as well. Kathy Valentine on Sealing Those Lips. It's coming up next, Industry 45 Podcast Show. Locked and Loaded. The Industry 45 Show with host Shane Christopher Neal. All right, Industry 45 Podcast Show. Shane Christopher Neal, your host. Uh, just a reminder, all the podcasts are available uh, at under my on-air radio page. You can also stream them and uh, listen to them anywhere you'd like. Apple, Spotify, Google Stitcher, Google Play, all that fun stuff. And today, I'm super excited for this because I gotta, I'm not going to lie. I was in grade school when the Go-Go's came out. Uh, but Kathy Valentine's on the phone. Welcome to the show. You even get hand clapping. Nobody gets hand clapping on this show. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing? I'm I'm good, and thank you for that. I miss the sound of a cheering audience, so that's nice. I I bet you do, you know, in these, but I'm telling you, I'm thinking to myself, it's COVID uh, 2020, uh, but nobody's doing COVID better than Kathy Valentine because she's got all kinds of stuff going on. And first of all, you're in Texas. Is that right? Well, theoretically I am, but we actually came to California for a week to try to beat the, the holiday travelers and spend some family time. Uh, my daughter hasn't seen her dad since uh, the springtime, and it was getting a bit much for her. Oh, okay, because I was just thinking to myself, if you're from Texas, number one, you have to be a ZZ Top fan. That's just a given, and a Dallas Cowboys fan. So that's where that's where I was going with that. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm a, I was a... If you read my book, people will see ZZ Top come up in it because I said, like, 
in the early 70s, like in places like New York, they had like New York Dolls and places like Detroit, you had like Iggy and the Stooges, these like kind of coming up from the region that just so personified that city. And I go, Texas, we had ZZ Top. And yes, I did love them. Absolutely. And still do. Me too. Me too. Big fan. Uh, so you mentioned your book. So that's great because that's where we're going to start a brand new book out. All I ever wanted uh, a rock and roll memoir. And you know what? I guess my first question is, did you always feel like you were going to write a book? I mean, you played in one of the biggest pop bands around five females. Is it something that was always on your mind? And why was now a good time to have this book uh, come out? Well, um, I think I always wanted to be a writer, you know, and ter- and I just happened to channel it into songwriting when I when my dream be- became being a musician and making it in the music world and all the things that that I got to do, which you know were my was my dream. But writing a book was in there too, and I think as my life started, you know, kind of moving into. I don't know how to put it in a way that doesn't sound depressing, but you know, you move into phases of your life and you start, I started looking at like, you know, I'm 60 years old. And at the time when I started the book, I was 57. So I'm looking at, you know, what's next, what's next. And, and I felt confident in my ability to write. I'd taken a lot of college classes and written short stories and creative writing workshops. And of course been a songwriter for decades And I just started feeling like I had a a good, compelling story to tell. You know, I'd read so many memoirs that were interesting and compelling, and I I really enjoyed the literary type of memoirs from, you know, Cheryl Strayed, Wild, and uh, gosh, Tara Westover with Educated, and Mary Carr, The Liars Club. These These aren't big, famous celebrities. These are people, women that lived, rather had lived through extraordinary circumstances and I didn't see my story. Uh, I saw my story in kind of that realm rather than a big like tell all or here's the dirt of what it was like (laughs) to be in the go-go's. So I approached my book as a literary memoir that just happened to be someone that also got to be in the biggest all-female band that it's happened. And we'll talk a little bit about, about the dirt because, I, I mean, you have a new documentary that came out and, and VH1 did it behind the music, but that's a whole other story. Let's stick with your book, though. All you ever wanted, or all like all I ever wanted was how you put it, um, is now that the book is out, is this all you ever wanted? Is Are you happy with this now and satisfied now that it's out for people to see? I am so proud of the book because here's the thing. I... I knew, you know, I'm, I'm practical. I, I was in a huge band, but I'm not the most visible person of the band. I'm not the lead singer, and I'm not a big celebrity that people, a household name. So I knew it was really important that this book, number one, be very well written, because I don't want it to be the only book I write. I want to I be accepted and recognized as a, as a writer. So I knew it had to be very well written, and I knew it had to be very human and honest, and that would be what made it a successful book because you know the go-go's opened some doors but i don't want just people that like the go-go's to read it you know i want anyone that likes good compelling stories to to read it so i'm so proud i think i accomplished that i i could don't think i could have done a better job and that makes me really really proud now you, um, have, you have a soundtrack with this too correct 
Yes. One of the things I thought now there was two, two things I felt like, okay, what can I do that other writers can't do? I can write music. So there was that element. I wanted to do something different and creative, but also I was dying to get back to music and having a book gave me, a, you know, 290 something pages to draw upon. And I, I really loved that process because it was like making music in a way I hadn't done before where I could employ all the things I love, you know, pop hooks and cool grooves and beats and bass, laying down bass grooves and catchy guitar things. But I could also, it was a soundtrack. I could go out of format. I could just do spoken word over beats. So it was really freeing and interesting and creative. And I loved it so much. When my next book comes out, which is going to be a collection of short stories, I will probably do a soundtrack to that as well. I'm really interested in this intersection of storytelling with songwriting and prose. And not all writers can do that. Not all songwriters can write a book and not all book writers can write songs. Absolutely. So my little niche, my little niche. <laughs> Very nice. So let me ask this. Um, when the book came out and you probably, you know, you're re reading the book. Did, is there something in there that you read though? And you thought, you know, I, I don't know that I should have said that, or maybe I think the way I wrote that might be misinterpreted. Were there any moments in the book where you kind of questioned what you had put in it? Well, luckily with writing a book, you have a lot of chances to, to revise and think about it. And I, I must've read the book, you know, either as I was going, you know, reviewing over it and then in the whole process of, of revisions and copy editing. So by the time it was published, I was pretty comfortable with everything that was in there and had come to terms with the stuff that's, you know, there's some dark stuff and pretty raw uh, laying myself out there stuff. And I was, I'm comfortable with it because that's, that's what a memoir is. It's not like it's not supposed to be like, good times. Everything was great. You know, <laughs> what a great life. You know, that's ultimately not what interests people, you know, Absolutely. What, what interests them is, is what went wrong and what went terribly awry and what was terrible and how you survived that. And, you know, people always love, you know, turning lemons into lemonade stories. Abso absolutely. And were there moments too that um, you thought of writing something and maybe you, did you reach out to members of the band and think, you know, here's a story, um, you know, uh, about Jane. And I don't know that, I should write this or I don't know that she's going to take this the right way. Or did you ever reach out to any of the members and kind of throw some ideas and say, are you okay with me putting this in it? Or did that really not matter at that point? Well, I was really careful. So I, I didn't write anything about someone unless they had already either talked about it in an interview or in the documentary. Oh, the documentary wasn't done yet, but behind the music, like for instance, behind the music, talks about Charlotte's heroin addiction and it has come up in many, many interviews. So I felt comfortable referencing that she had, you know, gotten strung out and, you know, Belinda has a book out lips unsealed and again, behind the music and she's done tons of press about her cocaine addiction. So I didn't write anything unless somebody else had already said it. And I also, Whenever I it was, I was very conscious that I'm telling my story, not someone else's story. So, if, if, you know, I might have said a couple of times, like, 
you know, somebody threw up in the, you know, <laughs> on, uh, under the table. And I wouldn't say who, you know, just, you know what I mean? Keep it vague. Like, Absolutely. Be, yeah. Try to be, as long if it served the story, like if the, if the story, if it fit in the context of the scene I was painting, I would put something, but I would always protect the privacy. And I didn't, I asked everybody before I published it, I said, do you guys want to read it first? And they all said, no, we trust you. So that was awesome. Well, that's great. Um, let me ask this because it wasn't part of my, my, my notes here, but you know, growing up and, and listening to Belinda Carlisle on the radio and she's got radio hits and she's got songs that go to number one. Was that frustrating for you or the band? You know, the band's not together and here she is, you know, hitting number one on the, on the billboard charts or did it really not matter to you or to, to anybody else? I think one of the things that I did really well in this book was really, really kind of open up as to what that felt like and what it meant to lose that band. And one of the reasons I go into so much of the darkness and, and abandonment and betrayal of my teenage years is so my readers understand how profoundly important the band was to me and how devastated I was to lose it. So I think it's one of the best things I do. And I've had so many readers go, I so understand what that means to lose something or to feel like maybe it's just been in the right place in the right time and this and that. So yes, it did have a huge effect on me, but not because I begrudged her any success. You know, I didn't begrudge anybody. You know, Jane was also getting record deals, but I just kind of always felt like, well, where's mine? I have good songs. I have put together great. I didn't want to be a solo artist. I wanted to be, you know, a cool chick and a cool band. That was what I wanted. <laughs> and I was putting together amazing bands and not getting anywhere and not getting publishing deals, even though I was writing just as good a songs as anybody. So there was a sense of like, where's mine? Well, you know, I'm working so hard. I'm trying so hard. Why is, and I only compared myself to the people in my band, which is interesting because to me, they were my, my peers. They were, we had come from, the, the ground had been leveled. We had all come out of the go-go. Of course, that's not true. The lead singer always has an advantage because they're the lead singer. And I wasn't trying to be a lead singer or a front person. But yeah, it was really hard. And I ultimately, it, it led to me getting sober because of, of just feeling so unhappy and lost and grieving the loss of a band that had come to, you know, represent not only my identity, but my security, how I could take care of myself. By that time, I'm taking care of my mom. I mean, the band was everything to me. And the loss that I write about in the book is, you know, I mean, people tell me they cry when they read it. So that's another reason I'm proud, not to make people cry, but that I could get those feelings in, in, in such a literary way that people really feel it. Well, I'm going to tell you this. You're a bass player. I'm a longtime drummer, so the singer's got nothing compared to what you and I do. I'm just saying that, okay? So, <laughs> uh, you know, you mentioned. I, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I think um, I think a band is only as, as good as its rhythm section. I will tell you this: I, I play in a relatively uh, new band right now with a female singer, and uh, we are playing um, a go-go song. 
So just because I was thinking oh. to my, yeah, I know I was like, and she's a great rock singer, but she's also got a cool pop voice too. And I thought, you know what? Our lips are sealed. That would just be a perfect song to do right now because you have a new documentary out. And let's talk about that because I didn't know, I watched your VH1 behind the music, like, I don't know, like over a decade ago. Okay. So I watched it again when I knew I was doing this interview and I realized that when I kept reading things that the band was very unhappy about how the, they were portrayed in this. Can you talk about that a bit? Because I don't understand how VH1 does this. Do they just do their own thing and say, whether you like it or not, here's what we're giving you? Because your documentary, by the sounds of it, really set things straight for your band. Yeah, I mean, when we did Behind the Music, that was a really successful series that um, had a, a, a specific template. You know, whereas they, you know, it has, it has a, a way that they want to present every band and almost every single band that they tell the story of, they find a lot of negative aspects. And we just felt like it wasn't really balanced. It showed, it really focused a lot on drugs and fighting and this and that without showing very much of the accomplishments and the legacy and the joy. I mean, obviously we couldn't have done what we did without it not only bringing a lot of joy to audiences everywhere for, for many years, but for ourselves too. I mean, there was something is something that's very intact. That's really joyful about the go-go's and um, that was missing. It was a real sad sack of a story. And we were, we were excited to have something that celebrated us. Um, a little bit because we have a legacy that's unmatched. We have a place in history that's unmatched. We have a catalog of hit songs that does not sound dated, that does not sound like from a, a specific era. We have an audience ranging from the fans that knew of us in the 80s to little kids today that just there's something about this band that's got a, an appeal that's undeniable and it was really nice to have something tell that part of the story you know well i've heard your band and you yourself say so many things about allison that were so positive about what she did i'm disappointed that i couldn't i tried to find it here on on amazon and on on netflix and i because i wanted to watch it so i've not seen the documentary uh, i've just heard you guys talk very highly about it and you have a new song in the documentary club zero and i watched um a performance you did i think for I don't know if it was an award show or what it was, but it was kind of like a Zoom uh, <laughs> uh, performance. And what an amazing song. Like, that is classic Go-Go's, timeless. I listened to that thinking, holy shit, this is exactly what this band is about. Yeah, and it was really hard to write because we are we wrote it from all over the place, you know. And it's like one thing, if you sit in a room and write a song with somebody, it's a very quick process. Like, you know, you'll be playing your guitars and you'll throw something out and the person you're writing with will go, no, no, let's try this. And then you'll go, oh, I like that, but I don't like that. So it's very quick and you don't really take it personally. Whole different story when you're like emailing. Okay, what do you think of this? Email. <laughs> then everybody chimes in. Oh, no, I don't like that. And it's just like, blomp. It's just there. It's not like you're saying it and you move on. So it was, it's, it's more personal. It was it like it was easier to to take offense and and hurt someone's feelings. It was just so difficult to write that song. I'm really amazed that we got it done. I don't know 
how we would do a whole album that way because it was it was like pulling teeth. But all that counts is the result. And you're right. It's an anthem that sounds like the Go-Go's, that feels like the Go-Go's. Absolutely. We pulled it out. And my favorite line, of course, is zero fucks given. It just That's just got to be the line that you got to love. Um, two other questions. MTV. So back in 1981, MTV comes along. Here in Canada, we have much music coming in 84. And what did that mean to the Go-Go's? Because people were now consuming music differently. It wasn't just by your ears. You know, it was an auditory. It was visual. And you guys knocked it out of the park with great videos like Vacation. And speak to that really quickly about just how that kind of impacted your career? I think it had a lot to do with our success because, you know, it's so much about visibility. And here we are, we're on tour, we're playing clubs, we're going from city to city, but all all the only people that are going to see you are the people that can go into a a club, right? And and see a band late at night. So you're missing out on the 10-year-old girls who, like, look up to you and go, I've never seen anything like that in their lives, and the 12-year-olds, and the 13-year-olds, all the young teens. So MTV put us in people's living rooms. It made us visible to a huge audience, and not just girls, but guys. And, you know, like I say this about growing up, I was a teenager in the 70s, and it didn't even occur to me that I could be in a band because I had never seen a woman be in a band before. All the bands I loved, were, were guys, whether it was David Bowie or the Stones or the Beatles or Deep Purple or ZZ Top or the Faces or the Who or T-Rex. I mean, every single, every single band, every single album I had was, was, was men. Right. So I didn't know, I didn't know that there had been Fanny or, cause I just didn't know about it. We didn't have MTV. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have the internet. So I think there'd been a, there would have been, and what did it for me was seeing with my eyes Susie Quattro on TV in England. I was 14. So I think there's something about that visibility and seeing something makes it so, it just opens up these possibilities that weren't there. So MTV did a lot for us. It put us in people's living rooms the same way Saturday Night Live did. Um, the same way radio puts you on their car radio. Right. You know what I mean? It was huge for us. Well, and I'll be honest. I mean, I was a high school kid watching much music in Canada. I mean, I wouldn't have like necessarily bought a Go-Go's album until, oh, what's this song? And that's really cool. And that's catchy. And, you know, I, I it, yeah. it's something that I got to listen to and, and appreciate. And so I, I'm going to end with this right here. So, Uh, An article just came out on October the 12th, not that long ago. It says the Go-Go's are favorites among snub bands for 2021 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. So how important is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to the Go-Go's and how important is it to you? Well, it's, it's important to me just because it exists and because I think women's stories need to be told. I think a museum, above all, is there to educate people. And, you know, I don't think music, the musical landscape of this country, would be very complete without having the stories of women and music in there. And I think we have a a very important role 
you know, we weren't the first all-female band and we won't be the last, but we still are the first and the only one to have written a number one record. So that's significant. That's just as significant as any other uh, thing. That's, I mean, not as, as any other, but it's significant enough to be honored, I believe. So it matters to me. And um, at the same time, I've been hearing from girls and guys for decades what this band meant to them and what better thing can you know than that you had a, a positive effect on somebody's life. You know, everyone from, you know, Veruca Salt, Belly, Bikini Chill, Courtney Love, you know, so many bands that came with women in the 90s were affected and by the Go-Go's, so many of them, and people that didn't even play instruments, guys in bands. I've had people in the genres of hip-hop countries say that they loved this band and that we represented something special and important so that's important that's that's uh, meaningful too even if we never got in the rock hall of fame well i'm like i said i'm 51 and i'm gonna play a go-go song so there you go kathy thank you thank you for your time great book uh all i ever wanted kathy valentine a rock and roll memoir i appreciate your time the industry 45 podcast show is sponsored by Trombetta Construction Materials, 1901 Barton Street, East Hamilton, and Highway 20 Font Hill. You can listen to the Industry 45 show on all major streaming platforms and at giantfm.com, country89.com, and shanechristopherneal.com.